0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Engage. Engage. Enterprise. Enterprise. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Captain
1: Captain Catherine Janeway. Captain Sisko. This is Captain Jonathan Archer. Red alert. Photon torpedoes. Fire. The official
0: Star Trek
1: podcast. Engage! Engage! Make it so. With your host, Jordan Hoffman. That, sir, is illogical. And make sure that history never forgets. This is
0: Hengate. Shailing frequencies open, sir. And we're back. Yeah. I love the new theme. It's still new to me, damn it. Even though it's week three. And... um. You know, it's funny, we have a guest this week, and I have received uh, so many emails, so many uh, tweets, so many texts, so many Facebook messages asking for us to bring back one of our earlier guests. They all say, please, please, Bring back George Takei. Ah, You you stepped on my joke. You stepped on my joke. I wanted it. I didn't want you to have it. All right. They all say, please bring back George Takei. (laughs) And uh, we can't. So instead, we brought back Matt Singer. How about that? So, Matt Singer, I am going to... Wait, uh, I hear... I think somebody's at my door. Yes, it's Matt Singer, and I'm going to beam him in. Oh, he's materializing before my eyes. Don't get caught in the Matrix. I was at the door,
1: and then you beamed me in? This is a yeah. just a fantastic waste of, of Starfleet resources. The
0: yeah, thing is this. The door is locked from the inside. <laughs> And I didn't feel like getting getting up to let you in, so I just beamed you from the other side of the door into this door, into this side. It's like Spaceballs, but you didn't get the joke. It is like Spaceballs. Who why didn't somebody tell me my no ass more was beaming? So, my ass was so big. Now I want to walk. Yeah, that joke killed me when I was a kid. You were too young to see Spaceballs in the theater, right? I
1: probably didn't see it in the theater. No, I watched it a thousand times oh, on yeah. VHS. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Um. And uh, what is your favorite scene in Spaceballs? What's your favorite joke?
1: I mean, the first one that comes to mind is Yogurt with all of his different Spaceballs the t-shirt, Spaceballs the breakfast cereal, Spaceballs the flamethrower. Yeah,
0: that one's pretty
1: good. That's a good one.
0: Yeah, merchandising where the real money from the movie is made. <laughs> yes.
1: Even though I didn't get it, like I, you didn't quite understand that joke. Oh, I got head. it. I
0: got it instantly. Well, you are very <laughs> cultured. I was a dope. I was taking marketing classes as a young lad. That's a good one. And the one where they watch the movie
1: on on VHS oh, in the man. movie is pretty, again, a movie uh, you don't quite get how subversive almost that joke is when you're yeah. six years old. But that's a really funny scene. It's, a,
0: it's got some heavy themes. It's a very song.
1: powerful it's very it's a statement d- on the human. Condition. Very
0: powerful cinema. Yes, I just like that. It's such a you know it's it's a funny joke in the movie, but it's stupid because it's a plant. There's like a moment when there's total chaos at the end of Spaceballs, and um, the siren goes off, and it sounds like a French um, like ambulance, ambulance siren, and he goes, "Where are we, Paris?" And that's funny if if you're in a situation and you hear that siren, but when you are the writer director of your own film. <laughs> It doesn't, it's like a it's cheap a shot. It's a cheap shot, really. Yes. But in the moment, it doesn't feel like a cheap shot. That's right. It feels like, well, we passed, they're all screaming. All well, right. thanks for having me on the Space. official Spaceballs podcast. <laughs> That's just been a lifelong dream of mine. Matt Singer, the uh, editor-in-chief of ScreenCrush.com, is back with us this week. And this week marks the 50th anniversary of uh, the episode Dagger of the Mind from season one. So that is going to be when we eventually get to it. The topic of today's conversation. But there was some big news in in Star Trek this week. And and Matt, I'd like to get your opinion of this also. I mean, I would be remiss if I didn't mention it. I would be a uh, an ostrich with my head in the sand. Is it the ostrich that keeps its head in the sand? Sure. Yeah, yeah, the ostrich, right? If I didn't mention that there was a bit of a, um, I don't want to say a shake-up. I want to say a, um, a uh, change. Change is fair. Change
1: of command, a change of the helm. Change
0: of command. There was a change with the show that we're um, all have our eyes toward next May. I'm sure most listeners know what I'm referring to, but in case you don't follow entertainment news, um, Star Trek Discovery, which is coming out next May, uh, has had a change in the uh, in their uh, in their lineup. The showrunner. Which, uh, is, that an, is that the official term? Is it, is it called the show, or is that lingo? Is
1: that- I mean, it, I don't think it ever says in the credits of any yeah. show, Show runner, runner. but yeah, that but is sort of the unofficial internal title. Internal
0: lingo is no longer going to be Brian Fuller, uh, which is a bit of a bummer, um, but it is going to be two, two other people that have been... Uh, longtime associates of Mr. Fuller. Uh, The reasons for this are I think we'll have a better chance one day of knowing what's truly on the Zapruder film than ever knowing the real reasons behind this. But nevertheless, the upshot is uh, Brian Fuller is still uh, one of the co-creators of the show. The world, the universe, the particular niche of the galaxy that the new show is in uh, is his design. It's his vision as a writer and a creator with all the other creators that he's got on board. Uh, he is the credited writer of the first two episodes and possibly more. and he is an executive producer, but he's also a guy who's got a lot of other projects going on and he is a very hands-on perfectionist dude. So in in the TV biz, the, the buck stops with somebody. There's always got to be one person or one entity at the top. and that is now no longer going to be him. It's going to be two people, by the names of uh, Gretchen Berg and Aaron Haberts. And I will be frank with you, I have zero... I don't know anything about these people. I'm sure they're very nice. They've worked with Fuller for a long time on shows that I haven't watched. Because, you know, the only show that I watch really is Star Trek. So, um, you know, they worked on... uh, I don't know. You look at their credits and they got a... A lot of stuff where they were producers. A show called Rain. Have you heard of Rain? R e i g n. I have. Have you seen it? No. Is it good? I think my wife watched it. Hey, what is it about Rain? Who's raining?
1: I think uh, that's not how you spell Rain. No, R e i g n. Right. I like think Rain, it's, To yeah, Rain,
0: to Rule. I think it's about. It's. Oh, I'm looking at it. It looks like a Game of Thrones thing. It's yeah, like it's hot, like a
1: royalty kind of a show.
0: It's a very sexy woman.
1: Entry. Get the in the in court.
0: In court. Intrigue in court. All right, yes. so they're they're the brains behind Rain. And for all I know, Rain is brilliant. But, um, you know, Fuller was, he made some comments like, look, uh, I trust these people. It's time for them to step up. And we all love Brian Fuller. But, you know, this time next year, we all love Gretchen Berg and Aaron Haybart. So let's give them a shot. And who knows? Um, but, you know, is this good news? I can't say it's good news because I knew for sure that Brian Fuller was going to be a great showrunner. Um, But I know for sure still that Brian Fuller is going to be a good writer and exec producer and overseer of things. And, you know, if he trusts Gretchen Berg and Aaron Haybarts, I guess I do too. How do you feel about that, Matt?
1: I I like to withhold judgment until you see see what's happening. If the show was out and it was a masterpiece and he suddenly left... And then the show oh, took
0: a nosedive. Then you would be, I'd like, be
1: pretty upset. Be and maybe like, when the show comes out, if I don't particularly like it, this might be the the moment you look back on and reflect and say, "What if?" But what?
0: Right. For it, now, we don't know. It's we a, don't know. It's we don't. Total know. tabula rasa. It so is. Uh, let's 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 move ahead with uh, a positive attitude. Star Trek will survive. Star
1: it, Trek, um, you know, it emboldens a, a optimism for the future.
0: <laughs> Star Trek always survives. It always surprises us. It's always an uphill battle. You think, you know, uh, there's, there's, you know, with every film, there's always been some, uh, some. Pro, uh, I don't want to say problems, but uh, you think it's going to be one thing, and then there's a change. So uh, the new change is Brian Fuller is, is sort of the uh, Uncle Brian, but he's not the star of the show. Gretchen Berg and the other guy, Aaron, so-and-so, are my <laughs> new heroes. And um, I put all my faith in them, and I want to talk to them at some point. You should learn their names before you talk yeah. to them. Um, then the other, uh, and keep in mind the writing staff is still the same. Our good friend, uh, Kristen Beyer, and um, the other guy, uh, <laughs> Nick Meyer, and, um, you know, uh, uh is still involved. So, you know, it's, it's uh, keep hope alive. And, you know, Fuller was, you know, very involved in early production, right? He was taking those pictures of what looked like Andorians and stuff, so... You know, I can't lie and say that I'm doing cartwheels over this news, but I am not tearing what little hair I have left out just yet. So I think I have now tried, hopefully, to assuage some uh, some uh, misgivings out there. Have I accomplished this task? Accomplished. All right, good. Standing oh, by. <laughs> standing by. Now, the other thing, Brian, we need to talk about Eagle Moss, right? Yes, we do. Okay, very quickly, uh, a special guest, Matt Singer, my good friend. I love that you come. Normally when we have guests, I don't talk about the sponsors in their presence because I don't want to sully them with the commercial aspects of this, of this podcast. But with you, I feel no shame. <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm pre, I come pre-sullied.
0: Not only that, this is a, a product that you know about. Yes. I, last week, who did we have on last week, Brian? Uh, why am I blanking on
1: this?
0: Was it just me or did we have somebody on the phone? We had. Um, I can't remember. Very
1: memorable episode. Clearly.
0: Was it? Was it, oh, it was it? Was from? It was we had, from. We had the eagle moss guy. No, no, team. I know what it was. It was a pre-taped one with uh, uh, Jacqueline. So we had Jacqueline Collie, and I don't know for sure if she knows about this. So for you, Matt Singer, do you know about eagle moss?
1: Yes, you've already established that. I,
0: but, I, but I mean, do you know, in the core of your of your of your being.
1: I think so, but
0: I think you better tell me more. Do you have any Eagle Moss products in your home? That's what I'm saying. Yes. Yes! We have an Eagle Moss customer right here. Eagle Moss, and uh, yeah, i got to make this brief, they design uh, the what's called the official Star Trek Starships collection, and if uh, you have any spare room on your desk, you don't anymore, because uh, when you sign up for Eagle Moss, which is only five bucks for the first one, and then it goes up after that, plus the shipping. Uh, it is uh, a beautiful, handcrafted uh, mix of, of of plastics and metals and beautiful dyes uh, of of the great Star Trek ships, and um, we're not just talking the. Enterprise and the Enterprise D and the... We're talking every ship. It goes really, really deep. The Bajoran Solar Sailor is one of the ships ships they make. Uh, Harry Mudd's shuttle from the the Kelvin timeline is on there. You sign up and you get two per month. They come right to the door. And you don't just get like a leaflet. You get like a a full, beautiful printed color magazine that comes with it, each one. And... uh, eventually it rotates through so if you're kind of one of these anal guys who doesn't want to start up now because you missed the first ones the first one you get is the enterprise d and then after that it rotates through and eventually if you give it enough time you'll have everyone on your shelf and then you'll have no room and uh whoever you live with will yell at you and tell you to throw them away so uh they're really fun and they come in a nice little stand and you can line them all up and they're you know look there's a lot of models of star trek stuff some are Uh, unlicensed these are fully licensed so they're made directly from the uh, original renderings from the the prop designers and uh, they're all the same size they just look really nice so if you're if you've ever said you know i'd like to gaze upon one of my favorite federation ships as i sit at my desk or as i sit on my couch and gaze upon my hearth uh, this is the way to do it with eagle moss so get a pen and write down st dash, that's a hyphen, st dash starships.com slash engage. And that's a special, uh, what do they call that, Uh, website, yeah, st hyphen starships.com slash engage, and you get a special deal, and you sign up through us, and that's Eagle Moss. That was more than a minute, wasn't it? When I talk about Eagle Moss, I get excited, Matt Singer, I get excited.
1: You were waving your seltzer about, (laughs) I've never seen you in such a state.
0: I love Eagle Moss ships. I got the Romulan Warbird. Oh my god, it looks so cool! All right, um, now I mentioned a moment ago before we get into uh, Dagger the Mind, I mentioned that um, I don't watch. Uh, I only. I don't watch many television shows. Who's got time? I got a job to do, and I got Star Trek to think about,
1: Eagle Moss ships to look at. <laughs> I've got Eagle on Moss hard
0: ships to look at. But there is one show that I have been watching, a new show, which is rare for me. I'm usually years behind. I'm usually like I'm just now getting into really uh, HBO's Bored to Death, which I think ended, <laughs> which I think ended in 2011. Yeah, it's been a while. It ended in 2011, but it's really good, and I'm just now watching because it's not going anywhere. Um, but there is one show that I'm on top of, and it's a show that you watch too, Matt, and it's a show called Westworld, or as they like to call it in the uh, world of haberdashery, Vestworld.
1: That's the worst joke I've ever heard you tell. you were
0: a half a dasher. And
1: that's an astonishing claim, (laughs) given the level of the jokes that you
0: tell. Um, No, But the thing about this show is it's very popular. Here are the three things about it that drew me to it. It's very popular. Yes. Everybody's naked all the time. Okay. And the third thing is it's basically, I'm just going to throw this out there, Mm -hmm. it's basically Angry Holodeck. Angry Holodeck. That's what the show is. It's Angry Holodeck. How is it the angry holodeck? Well, it's you go to the ho- when Barclay goes to the hol- holodeck, he frolics with Counselor Troy in like a in like a field with fountains and a, and like a Doric column. When um, uh, Logan goes into Westworld, right? He's killing people for no reason, stabbing an old man with an eye patch in the hand just for kicks. He's committing uh, sexual crimes with people. Yes, it's not nice. So it's so it's like violent holodeck, violent but also angry, like uh, Ed Harris's character, yes, the Man in Black, the Man in Black. Uh, he's yelling at people all the time and then telling them what to do and saying you will help me reach my destiny, and all this nonsense, and um, taking off people's scalps and looking for clues. Yeah, yeah, it's angry, and I'm thinking to myself when I you know the holodeck is you know a place to me, and even on Deep Space Nine. Quark like got in, if you read between the lines, Quark will say yes. A lot of people go to the holodeck for stopping around. You know, let's let's be honest. You know, let's say you're a lone trader out there and you're out by the Bajoran wormhole, you right. haven't seen your 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 companion for many many space months. You you book a little 90 minute slot in the holodeck, and who knows, you know? Photons be free. Um but uh and then actually Worf would would go into battle. Mm-hmm. You know, he would he would recreate famous battles from history, but he was a Klingon, you know. So it's different. It is for Klingons. They they need battle as part of their it's part of their social structure. Right. You know? They need
1: it the way you need Seltzer. Right.
0: <laughs> um, but in Westworld these are ostensibly humans, certainly set in the future. We yes. don't really know when. And I feel like it's, it's too much. It's too much for me. What do you think about Westworld so far?
1: Well, I like, I, I think you're your, your reading of it as the angry holodeck. That's pretty interesting. I think it is, uh, and, and that's, you know, you, you mentioned that uh, perhaps on Deep Space Nine, there was some, how did you put it? Some... Stooping sh- around. Some, some shipping around A in little the bit. holodeck, maybe. Yeah. And I think that one of the interesting things about the show is that it actually considers the sort of moral implications of that, except in this case, they're not holograms. They're robots, right? And uh, these robots are are here to pleasure or to serve at the pleasure or the anger of these humans. And so we get to consider, uh, you know, this the artificial intelligence and the morality around these horrible acts that are being committed to these. Are they objects or are they people? And exactly what defines someone as a person if they look exactly like us and can talk and think and feel, but we erase their memories every day. Does that make them, you know, are yeah. they, you know, it's a, it's an interesting it's concept. Sort, it's sort
0: of an expansion on the TNG episode, Measure of a Man, where, where Picard argues that Data is alive. Right. Um, because who, you know, where is the singularity? Where is the threshold? But the twist that I think is coming is that they're not just typical robots on Westworld. They bleed, they get scared. Uh, they just don't remember day to day, but now they're beginning right. to wake up. So maybe there's going to be some twist that they are really people. But um, So you're digging the show.
1: I was a lot at first as we were going along here. I'm finding that I the show that I – I don't want to say I signed up for, but the show that really interested me, that hooked me in the beginning was not only these issues – and ideas around artificial intelligence, but was also, like, the day-to-day running of the park. Like, a lot of what you see in the pilot that I dug was just, like, the middle managers right, right, at this yeah. place kind of jockeying for power and arguing about their jobs and stuff. Like, for some reason, I find, you know, the the mundanity of, of outer space in the future very interesting. Like, in this future where they even talk about, like, eradicating diseases and their have this incredible futuristic yet also old timey park. They've 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 done all these incredible things. People yeah. are still petty and violent <laughs> right. and hurtful and very mean. egotistical
0: also. The writer the, the writer character versus the sort of producer character, which is Anthony Hopkins. Right. There's a lot of
1: Butting sp- of heads. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. So all of that, like no matter how advanced humanity becomes it's somewhat un-Star Trek-like in that way, and that we often see Star Trek people working together in the future, that it's this, you know, almost utopian vision of uh, yeah. federation. Westworld has, there's, there's no utopia here. We've, no. we've done all this wonderful stuff, <laughs> and humanity is just as, you know, debased and awful as it's ever been. And I find something about that very appealing. As the show has gone on, though, it seems less interested in that stuff and more interested in, like... Are there multiple timelines? What is happening? What
0: is this? Who is doing this? And also really kind of like crawled up its own mythos within the Western story, which I don't care about. Like, there's this character named Wyatt, who's like a badass.
1: Right. Who we haven't even seen yet. And
0: then there's like a maze, because like Ed Harris is trying to find some secret part of the West. And the problem is, for me, every show, because it's a high production value show, there's got to be at least one shootout, sometimes more, and it's robots that you don't know anything about killing other robots, and it's not shot like John Woo. It's just shot like decent television, mm-hmm. and who cares? Because you don't know who these characters are, and you know they're not real. You've kind of grown attached to some of the robots that are sort of awakening from their state for reasons that we don't yet know. It's the two women character mostly women characters, but... Um, I mean, I mean, the dudes are just shooting each other, and there's that old, old-timey old Western music. I swear to you, I fall asleep every time. I also watch the show late, so maybe that's a problem. But the last episode, which I think was episode five, yes. it's a one-hour show. It took me about four and a half hours to watch.
1: Well, I watched it in an hour, but... <laughs> So it is it can be done quite easily
0: well I could fall asleep, but I but
1: is. I but yes i I see, I hear your your criticisms there it it's it's hard to be invested in um shootouts when as you said, some of the people are there who are—they're going to definitely die because they're robots, and that's what they're there to do. And some people are humans, and the robots are physically incapable of shooting them. It's in their programming. Although, right. as the series progresses, clearly we're heading towards a point where these robots maybe will be able to. And
0: well, Yul Brenner has right, to kill exactly. if Josh you've seen, Brolin. If right. You've seen if you've seen the, the movie. seen
1: the movie, you know that eventually, at least in that version of the concept, the robots were able to uh, to fight back. But no, it's still got some promises. Halfway through the first season, I'm still I'm still interested. I'm still engaged. <laughs> and I want to see what happens. Engage. Thank you. Uh, but but I have to say that um, the last episode, this one, although I did watch it in one shot, was not my favorite. Mm. And I do I do wish they would get a little bit less into the mythology and the mystery and a little more like. You know people kind of fetching because uh, they haven't been home to see their their folks in three months and their boss is giving them a hard time like that to me is all the fun it's like kind of the secret fun stuff is like while these people are having these wild fantasies what does it take to engineer those fantasies and keep them running <laughs> right, right. maybe i'm just a weirdo but i find that almost as interesting magic and the violence
0: and the and it's the the dream, the dream factory the dream factory yeah Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it.
1: This is Engage, Engage. the official Star Trek podcast. Energizer.
0: Well, we did it. We expanded Engage to talk about a show other than Star Trek. I'm very proud of us, and it's a, it's a, it's a current show. And it seems like we're both kind of mixed, but we're sticking with it. I mean, we're...
1: Oh, I'm not going... Oh, I will at least watch through the end of the first season.
0: Yeah, we put in this time, so... Now, another show that I sort of have mixed feelings about is the episode Dagger of the Mind. Wow.
1: What a segue.
0: From from the original series, Dagger of the Mind, which was the um, ninth episode. So, uh, we're still in the first kind of... First kind of chunk... Of uh, of those first episodes, this was one that was written. Um, its first draft came in prior to the launch of the show. So this was one of the initial pitches that Gene Roddenberry asked for, and he asked for an old associate whose name was Shimon Winselberg to write the script. And by the end of the um, writing process, by the time it came um, uh, was produced, Winselberg was really unhappy with uh the result because it had been touched up so much by roddenberry himself and by john df black so he used the pseudonym s bar david so when you watch the show and you see written by s bar david that's not the actual guy's name um so i asked you uh matt to watch dagger of the mind the other day yes had you seen it before
1: if I did, I certainly didn't remember it vividly.
0: That's ironic, because it's about <laughs> erasing somebody's mind.
1: It is as <laughs> if I had been put in the machine and it the had the neural, erased. Oh, what
0: is it called? The neural... Um, oh, boy. The neutralizer. The, the, neural, ne- neutralizer, the neural neutralizer. neural right? neutralizer. <laughs> so, uh, just sort of a 30,000 feet. What did you think? For, um, for the classic show that everybody loves after 50 years, Is is this a memorable... Piece of work, or is this one that uh, you can skip? Well, clearly
1: it's not that memorable. If I saw it as a kid and didn't remember <laughs> it, but um, there are things about it that I that I quite enjoyed, and and it has it has that interesting little trivia moment, right? That it's the first Vulcan mind meld, so it has a place in the lore of the of the series just for that, if nothing else.
0: Yeah, and it's one of those stories where something that was it came up in as a fix, right? And it stuck, kind of like beaming. They didn't have the money. How do we solve this story problem? How do we solve the story problem? And Spock originally was going to um, hypnotize Doctor Van Gelder, right? And they didn't want to do that because a uh, it didn't feel right, and b this is true according to uh, the the book there. Uh, these are the voyages. Um, they were afraid that they would be liable if one somebody at home were watching got and hypnotized. got hypnotized. <laughs> that may just be silly. But that was pretty silly. (laughs) These were early days of television. They they didn't know the power they had. So um allegedly that was part of the reason why no 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 we gotta come up with something else. And they came up with the mind meld, which is now um it's it that's like one of the things that's one of the five most famous things in Star Trek. Absolutely. You know everyone
1: knows the Vulcan Mind Meld.
0: Everyone knows the mind meld whether they know Vulcan Mind Meld or not. Like people understand the mind meld as that's transcended. That's like beaming and um, warp speed and, you know, all, all, you know, Kirk Fu and the...
1: I feel like some people confuse it with the pinch, the nerve pinch.
0: Do they?
1: I think so. I think a layman...
0: Oh, a might, lame man. Uh,
1: yes, might say, oh, Vulcan mind meld. And then if you ask them to demonstrate, they might poke you on the... On the, on the the trapezius the ca- muscle.
0: Oh, that looks like the carotid know. artery. Yeah. Um, well, that is my
1: theory. We could test it after recording, but that's what I believe in some cases. I bet if I asked Ye- my wife, who is not a Star Trek fan, right? Do you know what the Vulcan mind meld is? Odds are she would say, "Yeah, I've heard of it." That's Star Trek. And if I said, "Could you approximate?" The Vulcan mind meld. I have a feeling she would touch my shoulder.
0: Wow, that's my guess. Wow. Well, the that's that's the, you know the mind meld really has you know when it's when it's first introduced it's it's a heavy thing it's it's never been tried with a human before and, yes make which a big deal out of they it. they make a big deal out of it and then later in the series they make a big deal out of it with the um, episode. Um, was it The Paradise? No. Um, when he, when Kirk becomes a Native American, that one, they make a big deal. I am Kirk. I am Spock. And they shout. It's a big deal. Because the implication is that it's not just I'm reading your thoughts. It's we are becoming one. Merging consciousness. Right. Sisters. Which is heavy, heavy duty. And mm-hmm. then it's something that lingers. I mean, you watch Enterprise and it, it's a whole metaphor for sexually transmitted diseases. So it's a heavy duty thing. But then there are other moments in the series where Spock uses his uh telepathic powers as just like a uh, oh it's no big deal. Like you know? a cup of coffee. Well it's like the thing where he like they're they're trapped. It's the episode where um the Kelvins come and, and they and they're trapped in like a little jail and he like gets the guy to move and get him out of jail. I'm like, yeah, i gonna do this. Did he mind meld with him or did he just use his psionic powers?
1: I, I don't know. I look to you in these <laughs> matters. I don't know why you're asking me. You're the expert. <laughs>
0: Wow, these are these are the great questions. You know, the unknowable answers are, are what make us uh, make it so great. So, yeah, so that's a big deal with Dagger in the Mind, is that yeah. you get the first mind meld. You also get, um, it's one of the episodes named after a Shakespeare quote, mm-hmm. like The Conscience of the King, and um, at least one or two others. And um, it also has one of the, <laughs> is it good, or is it just ridiculous, uh, supporting... Uh, character performances. The guy uh, playing Simon Van Gelder.
1: Yes, that's a good question. He
0: really swings for the fences, doesn't he?
1: Yes, it's a very emotional performance. I feel yeah. like I feel like Shatner probably would love that performance because it is full of it is it
0: is pitched at a an eleven. When sh- compared to the Simon Van Gelder, Shatner is like the most deadpan. He's like he's like Buster Keaton. <laughs> compared to this guy he is deadpan and silent right cuz this guy he he's twitching he's he when he moaning, he's moaning, it's a very loud episode it you, is. if you can't play if you know you've got a small child at home if the baby was I sleeping i had to watch with
1: headphones my <laughs> dad to protect her i didn't want to Stab her with the dagger of the mind. Well,
0: it's not just that; it's it's the but the favorite part is there are two scenes in which Van Gelder is on the bio bed, yes, moaning and trying to give important information to to Bones and Spock about the Tantalus colony and why it's corrupt. And the first one, he's trying to give his name. He's like, Ugh! and the second one, he's kind of in the background. He's saying more, and then he just kind of gives up and he just devolves into like. Ugh! It's just like You guys uh, are going to need
1: to take that sound and add it to the board,
0: <laughs> so that
1: he can just press a button and
0: just hear him going. Uh, yeah, that. It's one. Just like, he sounds like he has the worst stomach ache, and he's just like, I am Simon, uh, Van Gelder, uh. and it's like, <laughs> please stop I mean, doing why? that. If anyone is still listening, they they have
1: definitely not only turned off the uh, podcast, they burned their audio listening device. Oh my god. That's possible. So, no, you're right. It's it's and not only is it over the top when you see Kirk's reaction, where yeah, when he's in the middle of it, he's getting he's affected by it. Yes. But then, like, as soon as they t- turn it off or bring him back to his quarters, he's like, hey, he's right.
0: totally fine. Well, these are the, there's a couple of things I don't I simply don't understand about the plot. Which yeah, there's is, a few questions. I don't what the bad guy's name is. Doctor Adams, right? Sure. What the hell is he up to? I don't what? know. <laughs> What is his master plan here?
1: I is he just a mad scientist? I guess, yeah. Like it seems weird that your master plan would be to spend. I guess he has figured out how to control, like, because they talk about how he has
0: like completely revolutionized penal colonies. Right, right. To back it up, he seems and and Dr. Helen Noel, one of the most beautiful uh, Star Trek ladies ever. Um, she, he is a you know it's the future and they're everybody's good and altruistic and he has figured out a way to take Harden maniacal criminals. Right, and reform them, supposedly, them. Or, or something. Which was, in the 60s, still like a big deal. Like, they were still performing <laughs> frontal lobotomies. Right. And they were, you know, there was a lot of weird stuff going on back right, then. which this
1: perhaps could be all in, al- an allegory An allegory for.
0: also for LSD um, experimentation, which was still very new and some, although it had been illegalized by the time right. this was, it was still in the, in the mix. And they meet, they go down to the um, medical, to the Tantalus colony, and uh, there's this woman that comes in. She was once like a maniacal uh, baddie, right? And she comes out. And she's wearing a beautiful red uh, flowy dress, and it's like, ah, this is Leite. Uh and she just goes, "I love my work." <laughs> <laughs> and she's got this glazed look right. in her everyone, eyes. Everyone,
1: everyone looks like kind of like a zombie or right. something. They have no affect. They're right. just staring off blankly. So you're but, you're but down- yeah, It's like what what is the end game here? It's like okay, I have. You know, mind wiped all these people. Now I'm trapped here on a penal colony until the end of time with all
0: these boring, blank people. Like, what? What is he doing there? But it's not just that. So, so um, the reason why Kirk and Dr. Helen well go down there is because. Uh, Van Gelder escaped he by, escapes. by luckily the box that they were transporting <laughs> up in a box. It, you know he is big enough to have an extra dude a in there a very large right? box which is a uh, leftover right. for, uh, which was in Star Trek Into the Darkness they had the same thing 72 uh, missiles that had room that's for true. people to hang out in it's there that's a good point so, so yeah he
1: he, he he stows away and it's like the cool twist of the episode is you think he's like a madman right, a, but, some sort of you know rabid criminal and then it turns out he's actually one of the staff and it's that's the mystery is what right, happened so, here so and, what happened
0: and so uh Kirk goes down to the planet and um within 30 seconds he knows what's up yes he's, he's immediately it's immediately clear that something is wrong right, this but Helen an-
1: Noel is very easily well, swayed that everything is fine
0: she has been um enamored of this man because he, she is a criminologist every starship needs one
1: CSI starfleet
0: right and um she loves him because he's he's the Steve Jobs of criminology of mind wiping of mind wiping, so he's like a legend. So she won't believe that he's a bad guy, and so the whole show is Kirk trying to convince this seems her. Wrong. This and so what and she he just do- goes no, it's no. This so is, this is backed up by science, yeah. Captain. <laughs> so what he does this is, this is where it just stops making sense. He goes into the chamber. To like test out the, the device, the neuralizer, and she tweaks it a little bit, just, and just a t- just a scope proves that it works, and does it how? Like to. Also talks about their little romance, which we got to get into a minute because sure. I said she's one of my favorites. Okay,
1: and I'm a little nervous
0: already. And but then, continue. but then in the middle of their experiments, which are just enough for her to be able to say, "Captain Kirk, this device is kind of kooky." You're we, hungry. We, yeah, to tell him that he's hungry. It's like we should really take a step back and consider this and talk about this with Starfleet Command about what's going on here. Right. The Goon Squad pops in, <laughs> and. Just like shoves her aside and and just ratches it up and yes. just starts frying Kirk's brain like that. Yeah. Now three weird things happen here. Number one, what the hell are they thinking? Because he is the f- captain of the flagship right. of they Starfleet. They know the ship
1: is right there.
0: They're gonna get like this is the fastest way to get caught is to take one of the most important people in Starfleet and f with his mind. Right. Two. um, they do it by making him get the super hots for her, which yes. is just ridiculous. Yes. Uh, and then three is they stop. They do it for a while, and then they just cut, and they're back in their quarters. <laughs> All right, everybody, take five. Yeah, it's just everybody take five, go have a snack, and then there's enough we'll go back at the tor-
1: the mind torture in right, about twenty. There's
0: enough time for them to go to their quarters, and then Kirk sneaks into her quarters because. Well, because he's programmed to want to get down with her. Yeah. But also to stop the... My- She's like, no, no, no. We must discuss the mystery. They start talking about the mystery. He starts figuring out a way for her to sneak through the air yeah. ducts like in Ripley f- and Aliens. I was relieved
1: that in the future, air duct technology <laughs> remains the way it, it is in every movie and TV show, where air ducts are literally the size of small rooms. <laughs> That I also under, why why couldn't he get in there? That air duct is like eight feet tall. You know and he why he sent?
0: <laughs> he wanted to lift her up, and she was wearing a, a short skirt. That's he, why
1: he sends her off to do this. And sure, I'm sure she's capable. But it's just like why does? I guess he's distracting the guards by right. going back in the. He's sacrificing himself for the good of the mission. He's going to be tortured,
0: right? Well, and, well what while mission? She and then it. he knows, so then once she gets in there, some other goons like well back to the chair, and he's like, yep. Yep, Rooney. Is it um, time to go back in the chair? Okay, and then it gets really serious, and then the show just like winds up. There's it's a very, fight. it's a very abrupt ending. There's a fight. She throws him in some, some bad guy into an electric fence, which is clearly just like fence prop 16A, and yes. he just goes l- 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 l on it, which is You're wonderful. You're gonna want that sound effect too, <laughs> to go with the. Ugh. And then he's in the chair, and Kirk's freaking out, Ah, and he's getting his mind zapped, and then the bad guy gets in there, and then he drops dead, because he gets zapped, and there's nobody at the controls, and he's left alone with the demons of his own mind. Right? Sort of a poetic idea. Actually, yeah, and that ending is very nice, because when Kirk was in the chair, Dr. Adams was there to be with him in his psyche, to tell him things, to tell him weird things like, you're hungry, or you're in love with Dr. Noel. But there was nobody there with Doctor Adams, so he became a void and just just collapsed. And then the show is over. Yeah. So because Doctor Adams is dead, we never really know what his plan was, why he interjected on Noel and Kirk's first, uh, you know, experimentation with the machine. The show is just over. Yeah. And.
1: It's not And never and shall never be discussed and again. It shall never
0: be discussed again. And then you as a kid forgot it. But for with all of those problems, I still love this episode. I love I love like the little thing. I love when you go to Dr. Adams's office and there's this enormous 3D trapezoidal gold sculpture there for no reason. I love what Leyte is wearing. And I love the scene where Dr. Noel and Kirk are on the transporter pad because Bones assigns someone to go with with him. Right. And then he sees her. And he's like, "Oh boy." Oh boy. And she's like, "Do you remember me from the Christmas party?" <laughs> Which by the way is one of the very few references to any religious holidays in the entire show. I was show. wondering about that. Yeah, that was that was still early days. And it's uh and then they have the dream sequence of like him with one of the crew because Kirk ladies man never got involved with the crew really
1: that was a big no-no
0: it's a big no-no that's why they kind of had to kill the Janice Rand arc because the implications were that they were eventually they were like a Sam and Diane sort of thing <laughs> and right eventually they would hook up and they're like no 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 so uh That scene is, and the music, like the kind of saucy music when she gets on there.
1: Yes. Well, I also, I will also say, while I did not love this episode, I was enjoying just. I think what you're describing are the sort of aesthetic pleasures, the visual pleasures of even a sort of okay episode of Star Trek. And this, from this era, they're they're beautiful objects. They're beautiful pieces of television. Yeah. And it's. I watched it on um, on Netflix. Um, so it was the restored version or whatever. It looks amazing. Can we
0: edit that Brian for him to say he watched it on CBS All Access? <laughs> it's not available yet, is it? Yes. Oh. <laughs> so you were watching it on CBS All Access and Do you want me to go back? No, I don't. <laughs> just keep going.
1: <laughs> well, what I, I just like the thing that I was noticing was and maybe I'm just not as knowledgeable about Star Trek is you. Well, that is certainly true. But the close-ups in this episode in the beginning especially seemed very close to me. And I was just enjoying these sort of landscapes of these faces. Just admiring the and, and when they're so close, because the, the 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 you know, the ship and and the enterprises all the sets, they're very they have those interesting colors that they're when the, the faces are so close, it's almost abstract colors behind them. Yeah. And so there's yeah. something very Visually appealing about this episode, even though it is not that
0: dynamic of an episode. There are always like these washes of like lavender and yeah, light purple in the background, light yeah, greens purple, yeah. and purples and. Well, uh, keep in mind this this show. Uh, one of the things that sold it to NBC when when Desilu was pitching it, NBC was like, "We can move color TVs" because NBC was owned by RCA, and they were selling color color televisions. So that was the one of the big big notes from the cage was get rid of these grays, get rid of these sort of light khakis and give us big bold colors and the makeup and, and it has it. Yeah.
1: and restored the way, you know, the way they've they've kept the, this footage. It looks brand new. They, you know, it's just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And so it's pleasurable to just look at these episodes to watch the, the, the flashing lights on the consoles. I yeah. wonder what the heck they do. Your <laughs> console here has numbers. and le- the, the transporter when you get to see it in these high def versions you're like, there's no indicators whatsoever what anything does. <laughs> they, How do they know what button to press and when and not to like zap the box with the guy is in it into
0: outer space? So they look like charms sucking candies.
1: Yeah, they just flash yeah. on and off, on and off and there are almost no Words, no. numbers, indicators—it's just flashing lights—and I just sit there and I marvel at the uh, the transporter. That's like the hardest job in the world. It's already a terrifying job because you've got someone's life literally in your hands. Yeah. Now you have to do it without any sort of like not. You have to memorize. It's like reading the Torah. There's no. There's no.
0: There's no. There's no, no vowels. There's nothing. You have to have it from
1: rote memory.
0: That's and hard! It is, and uh, yes, it, it wouldn't be until TNG that there would be some sort of lettering, and even then, it would be impossible. Like, yeah, it's know, hard you to, it's data, impossible to read. Yeah, was Mike Okuda would create those uh, those displays, and they would sometimes be numbers, or just sort of generic words, but there's probably a lot of shift keys involved, <laughs> because there's only like five buttons, they seem to do 500 things, but uh, to hear... Walter Koenig and, and George Takei and others say those those uh, displays from the early days were really hot because mm. they didn't know what... They would just put a light bulb down there and right, put Right, they a had to be filter. bright
1: enough to show up on right, the Right, they
0: would burn their fingertips all the time. Wow. So... Uh,
1: I believe it. Those <laughs> things are bright. So yeah, I think there is something, there's something to just looking at Any of these old episodes, but for some reason, I I was looking up the director and trying to see, like, was you know, because it wasn't a name I recognized when I saw it in the credits. The other, the question I had for you was: This is the version I saw was like the remastered version with the new effects Mm -hmm. of the Enterprise flying through space and whatnot. What is the uh, the party line on on the the effects?
0: COSR is this called? Is that what it's It's called? called, uh, Original series remaster.
1: Star Wars fans get so upset about their remastered effects, and I don't hear that same sort of... Well... Maybe I've missed out on it. And I'll
0: give you a very good reason for that. Okay. is because the originals are not gone. Every Blu-ray DVD... Has both? Since they started it, has both.
1: Okay, so you can choose. You can choose. When
0: you're streaming it on Netflix or Amazon... It may default, but for uh, you know, when I'm at home and I want to slip, you in, can go
1: back and see the. I see. Okay, toggle, well that makes sense. You
0: can even toggle it, Whoa. and and it's fun. And um, uh, you know, you hit what you know, uh, angle or whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they'll be approaching a planet. And in the new one, it's not that new anymore. It's been almost ten years, I think. Uh, you know, they look. I you know, I like the new. I like the remasters, and then you can go back and you see the scratchy old footage. Um, I think the fact that there was always the option to retain the original. You're right
1: because people always complain that they can't. The no. Star Wars fans they complain that they don't have the option. No, that they you, can't see it. You're you're forced to take this version. I which have a the VHS, etc. So
0: I have a I have I have a VHS that I taped off of Showtime in 1987 of what we now refer to as Episode Four. Uh, that uh. Is the original, but actually not the original. Original. Keep in mind the first one. Yeah, he was meddling with it. He was meddling from the beginning. uh, When if you were, I was too young to see the first Star Wars in in the theater, but that Star Wars didn't say Episode Four in New Hope, Mm -hmm. and then he changed it in in like nineteen eighty, I think, right, something like that. Um, So yeah, it's fun to it's fun to
1: watch. The, the, the remastered yeah. version for me because then you can see well what effects were good enough that they didn't change right. them <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and like the you know the transporter the beaming that's I mean unless they're doing some it's very subtle work like it looks like the old yeah the old effects it's, it's a light which touch which is
0: astounding it's a light touch with the re- re- remastering um it's mostly, uh, it's transition shots, it's, it's it's orbit shots, it's shots yeah. of planets, and it's shots of weapons deployment.
1: Or the screen, the, uh, yeah, the main the, the, viewer
0: screen. The main viewer, it's planets through the main viewer screen. Yeah. And then there are a few additional um, map paintings, um, or expansions of map paintings. So it's right. master shots of when they go down to planets. Uh, so for example... Uh, you know in in you know and any of them and uh, there there could be or like the most famous one would be in a mock time season 2 when they go to vulcan there are some additional shots because who doesn't want to see more vulcan so there are a couple of shots uh, that are expanded uh you know you can see uh where they just sort of widened it a little bit or there's some uh, but it's not much we're talking glimpses so i think the fact that it's not overdone is part of it and you know, those early special effects are, you know, uh, charming, but they are not, you know, uh, that, I don't know. I mean, they're charming and they're great in their way, but they're not the great meaning, to modernize. I think still yeah.
1: looks great. I, to me, I'm sort of, it boggles my mind that, that 50 years later, it looks as good as it does. Yeah. I uh. mean, that, and, and. Sure, it's advanced in 50 years when they do it in what the later shows, the movies. But the idea of it and how even just the visual idea of it doesn't look that different.
0: No, no, it's it's just you're gonna become little specks of light, which and I think is They
1: might. I I wouldn't have minded if they had maybe used some of that remastered magic on like the the neutralizer, the neuralizer, whatever it is, because it's literally like a, a, a disc <laughs> that's
0: flashing. Yeah, I don't even know what it is.
1: Like. I don't even know if we actually see in the wide shots. Now that I'm thinking about it, like the whole like it's literally like there's shots of him in the chair and then they cut to a close up of the thing do we ever actually see the ceiling of that set
0: no no i mean the the thing is with the remastering um i think they would only uh they only made an update on stuff that was a special effect to begin with so if something was a practical effect gotcha. they can't change Doesn't it count. you know which is why if you look on the bridge um you know some of those spacescapes are just like paintings, right. just like in a frame. Like they have no business being there. They're not like, you know, when you get to the later shows, like those are all panels that are like zooming and blurping and they're like astral metrics things going on. It's just like a painting of a galaxy disc. Some of them are black and white even on there. So, and uh, if you watch the show um, in the order in which they were produced, by the end of season one, they're all a mess. Like, because they've moved around a lot and they've kind of got crinkled up and whatnot. They had some rough times. So, uh, they're very practical effects, but, uh, no, the remastering, I think, uh, yeah, it was a big deal when it, when it came. And there were, certainly there were some people who were just like, this is ridiculous. Who needs this? But my, my opinion is, I think it's, I think it's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, it does default. That let's put it this way: it does default. And I listen. I watch the show on Netflix too sometimes because I don't have the energy to get up and get my Blu-ray off the shelf. And it defaults to the remastered. And I'm not like this is an outrage. You know, it's it's fine with me. So, um, oh my God, it's already eleven o'clock. Um, last thoughts. Oh, they're not here yet. Oh, good. Last thoughts on um, Dagger of the Mind. <clears throat> uh what would be the next he, yeah. well here's one thing i thought yeah
1: uh, uh about the end of the episode where they're back on the the bridge and you know there's maybe like a glimmer in in kirk's eye that perhaps he's this experience has changed him somehow but again it's never never brought up again and i it did make me think about the evolution of of television you know like something like Westworld, like Like This could have been a season-long arc on a modern show. (laughs) Kirk does this thing with this machine. It warps his brain. He thinks that he's fine, even, but that over the course of a season, we slowly see him give in to madness or whatever it is, or he's troubled, or he has nightmares, or his personality has been seemingly irrevocably shifted and they have to figure out how to how to fix it like it just seems like it it, and i'm not saying it's better or worse it's a different 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 that this man encountered something (laughs) life-altering in that chair with that flashing light you know his brain was like permanently warped and the whole thing with him uh you know falling in love with dr noel i mean i have to assume they deprogrammed him maybe
0: after we saw, well, Doctor Adams's he, techniques were still very experimental. Apparently, you could shake them off just by uh, the cold shower. I guess
1: I don't know. I've de- but I've, I've, but th- you know that, that's another thing that could have come up. Like forcing, you know, that'd yeah. be an interesting idea too. Like someone has their brain warped to to believe that they are in love with someone who does not reciprocate and knows it's artificial. Like right. that's another. Right.
0: P- Subplot you could follow through six episodes. Well, television wasn't like that back then. It was I know. only only uh, only Days of Our Lives and and Search for Tomorrow was uh, was serialized. Although there are occasional um, and speaking of cha- you know changes, became uh, Uhura had her mind wiped and lost lost language, and she had to reteach herself how to speak. And the next time he saw her, she was fine. Um, the There are occasional moments that reference earlier episodes in Star Trek more than you might think. If you do a very close read, um, there are the occasional references to earlier episodes. My favorite one, uh, it's it's the episode uh, that I just mentioned with the Kelvins. It's by any other name. The episode by any other name, and when they meet the, the main baddie from from, uh, from the Kelvins that are from the Andromeda Galaxy, and they mention... Um, mm. They say we were through the, the galactic barrier. It's very treacherous. Our ship was nearly torn apart. And Kirk and Shatner's delivery is perfect. Kirk just like goes, "Yes, I know we've been there," <laughs> and he's referring to where no man has gone before, right. where where his his best friend became an ESP ESP monster. Uh, we've all been there. <laughs> so that is um, that is one of a handful of specific references to earlier episodes. More than just the general, like we've been through many trials and, and, and tribulations together. So, uh, no, serialization was a big no no in television until um, really Deep Space Nine broke the mold. Babylon Five did too, but Deep Space Nine more so because I like it more than Babylon Five, and um, and I, I I really do think. Uh, Part of the reason was because of uh, apathy on behalf of the studios. They had so much going on at Paramount that at that time with Star Trek, that when Iris Steven Bear started pushing ser- serializing the Dominion War arc and just in general serializing, having a lot of two parters, having three parters, because he had these great characters all stuck in the same place, um, they were making the next gen films, big productions. And they were in the early stages of Voyager, which involved a lot of cooks fixing, changing her hair every week. There was a lot of tweaking going on with early Voyager. And Deep Space Nine's numbers were decent, and their budgets were low, and they didn't have to worry about them. And they said, you know what, you do what the hell you want, because we're busy over here, and we're busy over here. You keep coming in on budget, and you'll be fine. And thus begat the golden, the second golden age of of television, silver age of television um, with with serialized arcs uh, that changed everything.
1: Well, I mean, I get it. I understand why they why it wasn't serialized, right, you know, right. In 1966, you know, you're saying no, do
0: a slingshot around the sun, go back in time and change, and it. bring a DVR so you can add serialization. <laughs> no,
1: I'm I, I understand why. I just it's interesting to note, and I, I, I mean, honestly, in some ways, while I do think that there were possibilities, story possibilities you could have explored. There's something nice to a show like Star Trek that is not serialized because can watch them in any order you can just pop in and say I want to watch this episode or that episode when you are streaming them when they are on Blu-ray like you can't just say I think I'm just going to watch something from season the middle of season three of The Wire like it just doesn't work, it does that, not way. work
0: that way it's a big Which, novel yeah, right you can't just right
1: like my wife and I are actually re-watching The Sopranos right now and it's wonderful but you have to start with episode one it's a big and novel. you go one by one by one you just go sequentially in order and it's fantastic but we can't just go like ah, let's check out what was going on with Tony in season four like it just doesn't work that way
0: well, I I mentioned uh, Bored to Death earlier. You did. Basically non-serialized. There probably are some things that connect, but I'm kind of early into it, and I took a little time between one episode and the other. Nothing. It's just Jason Schwartzman being a dope in, in one episode, and then he's a dope in the next one. It's hilarious. And the 22 minutes, and it's very funny. I think Kimmy Schmidt is like that too, right?
1: Well, the pendulum has really swung towards serialization. I, oh, won- yeah, yeah. I wonder if we're headed towards... Swing back a little bit.
0: A little bit. I mean, this is why, I, you know, it kills me that I'm not as up on the flash as I'd like to be. I just don't have the time. And the flash is in what? Season four now? Three. Season three. Um, and I've seen Well, this is kind of silly. Uh, I got I've seen much of season one. I've seen the first episode and the last, and some in the middle, and that's not my fault. It's because I was on a very long flight. And the the, the, the thingamajig, uh, you know, Delta's... The neural neutralizer? <laughs> Delta's neural neutralizer. No, the, the thing had, like, you know, the Flash on there. I'm like, I'm going to watch the Flash. I love the Flash. I love DC Comics. And I hear it's good. So I watched... I was like, I'm going to just watch them in a row. And then when I stop, I'm going to be up to date. But they only had a couple of them. So I watched... I they watched, were out of order. It was a long flight. I forget where I was going. I was going overseas somewhere. So I watched like 8 episodes of The Flash, but you know, I didn't I missed some. So now I'm in a state of chaos because I don't know whether to go to season 2 or do I have to go back in and fill the gaps? And uh, as a result, I'm watching none of The Flash because I can I can't uh focus. It's a real commitment.
1: So that's why I feel like <laughs> I feel like there, there's going to be a really good show because that's the other thing is like people think that the good shows are serialized the yeah. important television it is peak tv is peak, serialized it is, it i i am yeah. waiting for the really really good show that that issues that it will only be comedy though
0: it, it, how could you do a drama that's it, not serialized these days it's not it, it, like that's it would be a challenge black mirror black mirror is the black mirror is so not serialized right. it doesn't even have the same characters right it's anthology black mirror is come on it's anthology <laughs> black mirror is so insane that it's not even a show that's a series of short films he said without having watched Black Mirror. Brian, have you been watching The Flash? I haven't been watching The Flash yet. Are you up to date?
1: Um, one episode behind.
0: Do I need to go back and fill in the gaps and start with season 2 already?
1: Um, season 1 you can skip around probably.
0: All right, Professor Zoom, I know that he's Professor Zoom. Well, uh yeah, so That's what I know. It is more important. Spoiler alert, I just guys. I just spoiled the end of season 1. Ah! Uh,
1: Make sure you watch the the premieres and the, the, the like the last few lead up to the finale, and you're usually pretty
0: good. The Flash is really cute because it's, the special effects are kind of cheesy, um, but it's very upbeat. It's very youthful, and uh, Iris is adorable. Everybody's great on it. You haven't watched it. Matt, at all the flash?
1: I've seen a little bit of it. Yeah, it's pretty good.
0: Yeah. Tell me what's happening on screencrush.com before we say goodbye. What 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 isn't uh,
1: happening on screencrush.com? Screencrush.com
0: is a wonderful pop culture site where they cover film, news, television, TV, uh, everything. Streaming humor. Yes. Videos of you eating uh, hamburgers. That has been known to happen (laughs) on occasion. (laughs) Brian, do you know what Matt does sometimes? I do not. Whenever, and it happens a lot whenever a big blockbuster film has a tie-in with a um, fast food restaurant Matt singer will eat the entire menu in one sitting so when Allegiant the divergent sequel or second sequel uh, third sequel I think. El- Allegiant had a tie-in with or so one, one of them, Johnny Rockets was it? Was it? Johnny Rockets. These yes. are some weird franchises. Allegiant and Johnny Rockets together at last made perfect sense. They put out like you know the Dauntless Burger and the um, what are some of the characters' names on that dumb franchise? <laughs> I saw the, the first. Characters diversion. don't have names. One of them is called Four. Uh, yeah, maybe. One of the characters' name is Four, and there were four burgers, and there Think were four burgers, it. and it's just like you know, it has nothing to do with anything. But it's the Allegiant sandwiches and he would eat them all in one sitting and then and then feel sick. Yes. This is
1: It's a great way to punish myself. <laughs> if you're a masochist, I highly
0: recommend it. What doing was your favorite it. one? And people can watch these videos on ScreenCrunch.com. We have some videos, there's articles, yeah. No, no, no. What if you're eating, what is your favorite one? Is it the Fantastic Four? Is that the one that made you? I mean
1: favorite is hard to hard to quantify because they're all vile, but the Thing Burger, the li- yeah. The, the Thing Burger was not as <laughs> disgusting as it sounds. The fanta- it was the Fantastic Four menu, yes, which did feature a Thing Burger, yeah. which had Thing Sauce. Oh Jesus! Because
0: maybe the most unappealing name for a food item in the history of uh, human consumption. Oh, Thing Sauce. Heavens thing to sauce. Betsy. And I guess the flame, the uh, the um, Human Torch was like a hot, spicy thing. They
1: had a Human Torch skillet, I think, which was like spicy with spicy Ooh. sausage. Yeah. All right.
0: Yeah. Cool. All right. But also, in addition to that ridiculousness, some great articles about. <laughs> and um,
1: important, serious <laughs> criticism as well. You <laughs> can read all about Westworld
0: and various other Michigas on Yes, that show. I'm
1: writing about Westworld every single week at Screen Crush.
0: All right. Well, listen, Matt, thanks for coming by. I appreciate it. Thanks. Hey, by the way, this is the last episode that's going to air before the election. Oh. Right? So um, uh, everybody's going to be in a much better mood. Let's hope when so. we record the next one. Even even if, even if it goes south, and we elect Guldukat, Dukat, um, I think we'll be in a better mood because it'll be over. Like I feel like the whole country. over with. The whole country's constipated for a really long Stop time. Stop projecting your yeah. issues.
1: On to the rest so, of
0: the No, I just mean we have this emotional uh constipation going on and it's gotta end. And it's gonna end in uh, we're recording on a Tuesday, so a week from today. Wow, one week, finally. In one week it'll be over. I don't think Dukat will win. I think Kai Wynn will win. And um it'll be fine. But even if uh, Gul Dukat wins, I think that uh I think that everybody will be in a slightly uh more I know I've been kind of a mess, you know, lately and I don't think I don't think the election is a small part of it, so I'm glad that it's going to be over. Of course, remember in 2000, it wasn't over until December. <laughs>
1: That's true. Yeah,
0: <Hey>, yeah, yay. yay. <laughs> you never know with this wacky, wacky democracy. So thanks again, and we will talk to you again next week. Uh, Matt, push one of the buttons. Wait, let me see. I want to push I wanna, one. Of I don't want to just blindly push one. The the fan. By the way, the listeners hate when I play with the soundboard. Really? They do. They think it's silly, and it is silly. But you know what? You're not here. Let's every see day, if this so. is
1: a, a hailing.
0: Open a hailing frequency. Wow. There you go. Power. Why don't people like it? I love it. I like listening. All right. Well, you know, good. You can do one more and then we can go. Okay.
1: Data being received.
0: Data being received, that's great. So, uh, oh, you can like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. You can tweet at us with the hashtag EngagePod. You can follow me on Twitter at Jay Hoffman. You can follow Matt Singer on Twitter at just... Is it, just at Matt Singer. At Matt Singer. You know there's an at Matthew Singer that there's I follow? Of, there's a lot of Matt Singers out there. But the other guy, Matthew Singer, is um, I think he's English. Um, and he's very nice. I've, I've engaged with him. He's in fact. I, we tried to get him on the show today, but he wouldn't. He couldn't make it. So we we got you instead. <laughs> get me the next closest Matt Singer. <laughs> exactly. All right, folks. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks.